With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KRWN, HD3, Bremerton, Seattle. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Big Love with Ariel Ford. Known as the Cupid of Consciousness and the Fairy Godmother of Love, Ariel and her guests will share with you the secrets to finding and keeping the love of your life, as well as ways to make your life a spiritual adventure. Join us now for a heart-opening and inspiring hour. Hello and welcome everybody to Big Love. I'm so excited to be here with you on Contact Talk Radio and ctrhotspot.com. And this is where we get to explore my favorite topic in the world, love. How to get it, how to keep it, how to have more of it, and everything in between. And together we're going to discover what works and doesn't work when it comes to having a love life that is fun, big, juicy, and adventurous. Today, my very special guest is Evan Mark Katz. He is billed as a personal trainer for smart, strong, successful women. He's a, perp- he's a personal trainer as a dating coach, and he's helped singles find love since 2003. He's also the author of three relationship books, most recently, Why He Disappeared, And you've probably already read about him in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal. He's been on CNN, The Early Show, Tyra Banks, Rachel Ray. He's really been out there. Scores of Evan's private clients have fallen in love, gotten married, and started families, all within just a few months of coaching. So whether you're online dating or embarking on a new relationship, once you learn to understand men from a man's point of view, you're going to be one powerful woman. And if you want, check out his website. It's evanmarkcats.com, and that's E-V-A-N-M-A-R-C-K-A-T-Z.com. Evan, welcome to the call. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the very warm introduction. I couldn't have written it better myself. (laughs) Well, you know, you are my favorite dating coach on the planet, and you've got so much to share. And I know that a lot of our listeners are out there looking for love. And so many of us come across as just so incredibly independent that it seems that we almost don't even want a relationship. What should we be knowing about that? I I think that people's actions aren't always aligned with their goals. So I think if you catch someone in a in, in a naked moment who has a rich, full, independent life, and she'd she'd be the first to say she's a, a happy, fulfilled person, but she really does long for a relationship. Uh, the problem is you could long for a relationship and hope to have a deep personal connection uh, and a healthy, permanent sex life with one man, uh, but if you're not doing anything to achieve that end, it's really difficult for that to happen. Our lives are not built around falling in love. 
we work long days. We have hobbies and projects. We'll go to yoga and we'll read books and join book clubs and watch our television and go out for spa weekends. And at the end of the day, where are you around single men? So there's nothing wrong with being busy, fulfilled, and independent. Just know every second that you are filling your day is a second that you're not potentially meeting the love of your life, and you need to carve out time for love. You don't make time when you meet the guy. You make time to meet the guy. Mm, that is such good information because I'm always telling my soulmate secret women that you need to start scheduling date time into your calendar now. And even if you don't have a date, at least the time exists there where if you met somebody, you wouldn't have to go three weeks out to find time to see them. That's, that's really wonderful advice. And, and uh, I was actually just emailing a, a client who came to me from you, from the Soulmate Summit, um, who's being into the law of attraction. And, and I think the law of attraction is wonderful in as much as it, it gets people thinking positively and uh, makes them uh, more confident and warmer and more pleasant to be around. But at the end of the day, you could be the warmest, most pleasant, confident person. But if you never meet men, it's hard to have a love life. So, so creating the opportunity is, is important. And, and you know, again, that's why I'm a big advocate of online dating, not because it's not flawed uh, or not because it's the be all or an end all, but it's the only place that can pretty much guarantee you'll have a date on Friday night. So let's talk about online dating because I know, I know that there's people who really love it and then there's people who would rather crawl naked over broken glass <laughs> yep. than go on to eHarmony or Mats.com. Tell me sure. why you like it and how somebody who's resistant could get started. Um, I got my start in online dating. Um, that's where this you know, whole career as a dating coach came from. Uh, and... I was an early adopter. I, I, I enjoyed the medium. I had success in the medium, and, and, I, and I dated over 300 people over 10 years of using online dating. So when anybody tells me online dating doesn't work, and I had that amazing experience, and my sister met her husband online, and my wife's best friend met her husband online, and my best friend from New York met her husband online, and I've been doing this for so many years, i got so many clients who've had success. To me, that just means if you're not having success in online dating, you just haven't learned to use it right. It's not your fault. You're not bad. You're not wrong. It's like you got IKEA furniture and you didn't have the directions and you said, ah, screw it. I'm not, I'm not putting this together. So with a number of minor tweaks, you could have a completely different online dating experience. That's why I created you know, the Finding the One Online program. I've got a seven-hour audio series with a 188-page transcript and a 35-page workbook, and it's literally everything that you need to do chronologically to have success in online dating. Um, so to me, it's not whether online dating works. 17% of all marriages in the past three years came from online dating. That's a higher percentage of people who met through online dating by like twice as many as people who met at bars and clubs. So to me, you have to learn to embrace this medium and figure out where you're struggling instead of giving up entirely and then saying, I sure hope to meet a guy in real life. If you look at your life, I'm guessing that happens once a year, twice a year. Not enough. So we don't have time to do your whole seven hours in this I'm, Yeah, hour. and, I'm not, and I wouldn't even, that's why I didn't even go there into the specifics because it's yeah. a lot of stuff. Well, you know, just sort of 
maybe an overview of the basics of where most people are going wrong, like where where the mistakes really are, and like just a couple of tips on where they. Could yeah, it's not. Them. Thank you. It's not like I have like a top five list of uh, of the things that you can do, but at the end of the day, most people look at online dating as like they're holding their nose and and wading into a cesspool. <laughs> <laughs> It's well, just it's just the wrong attitude to approach uh, something as important as love and laden with failure as the pursuit of love. And I think reframing this process and giving people realistic expectations, for example, how many times in your life, Ariel, have you really fallen in love? Oh, wow. I've now. never thought about that. I would say maybe two. Two times in 50 a years? Lot. We're not going to count. <laughs> okay, we'll make it up a number. Okay, yeah. but if you fall in love twice in X number of years, what are the odds that's going to happen in the next 30 days on match? Yeah, probably right. not. So, so when you look at it like that, oh, falling in love is tricky. There's a million variables that could, you know, could go wrong. I might not be attracted to him. He might not be attracted to me. I might be busy. He might be busy. We might have different ways of spending money or different beliefs around religion or live in different places. I mean, there's a thousand things that could go wrong. So we need to adopt the philosophy, and this is a, a, a strong personal belief, of short-term pessimism and long-term optimism. Expect nothing from any one guy online or otherwise, because statistically, you'll be right. The next guy you meet is probably not your husband. And you can't be devastated when real life proves that to be true. So when we understand most men are not the right man for you, that's predictable. But if you keep on going, you're more likely to meet the right man. You can sort of weather this self-imposed emotional storm of online dating. It's not that bad. It's not that hard. It's what you make it mean. You get upset when the wrong men write to you. You get upset when you exchange two emails with a guy and he disappears. Who cares? You've gone your entire life perfectly happy without this man. Why should one stranger devastate you? Oh, I'm sure this is just such solace to so many women listening right now because I know we as women tend to be meaning-making machines. Yes. You know, oh, such and such happened. It must be a sign or it must mean such and such when, you know, the truth is it, we don't know. We're making assumptions. And, and literally that was the impetus for me to write why he disappeared. Right? Women agonize over things that at least half the time have nothing to do with you. Oh, it's unbelievable. Right? Now, and and so if you, if, you, if you burn yourself out on online dating, dating, and men, it's just a matter of reframing it and seeing it clearly. It's like kind of getting upset if there's traffic or getting upset if there's rain. I mean, it's going to happen. Are you going to stay? Hmm. Are you still there? I'm still here. Oh, okay. I heard some weird noise out there. Oh, now, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's probably not you. It's just electronics. Um, I know one of the things you talk about is you counsel women not to look for a male version of themselves. What should they be looking for? A compliment, not a clone. Uh, and yet there's this natural tendency to be attracted to essentially yourself. 
So if you're spiritual, he has to be spiritual. If you make six figures, he has to make six figures. If you're five foot six, he has to be taller than five foot six. And, and around and around we go. And the more impressive you are as a woman, the smaller that makes your dating pool. Right? Just objectively, once again, I'm looking at dating as a science. Right? I know there's a ton of emotion, but let's look at it objectively. 15% of the male population is over six feet tall. 2% makes over $200,000. 1.7% is Jewish. Right? You multiply these things together, you're left with 0.0001% of men is even eligible by your standards. <laughs> and yet, and yet there are close to 7 billion people alive on the planet today and about half of them are single. So mm -hmm. if you open up your expectations, statistically you can almost not find somebody because there are so many single people available if you're willing to let go of these preconceived notions of of what they physically need to be. We have our idea of what it's supposed to look like and what we want and what we're attracted to. And those things aren't necessarily wrong. Where it goes wrong is that if you become such a slave to this idea, this picture you painted in your head of the ideal guy, right, and you go on dates and you have relationships and you're, you know, you're 39 years old and you want to have a family and you're still trying to slot the guy into the picture instead of saying, let's throw out the picture. Let's go on a lot of first dates. And if I have fun on a first date, I'll go for a second date. If I have fun on the second date, I'll go on the third date. Just put one foot in front of the other and see where things go instead of carrying that list around you and finding out, oh, he's a great guy, but. Because there's always going to be a but. A guy could have 17 qualities that are amazing and you'll throw him out for the 18th. And, and yet so, men don't do that, right? Men, men if, you, if you've got just a few of them, are more likely to keep you than throw you out. Men, despite their considerable blind spots and flaws when it comes to dating and relationships, and I do genuinely believe that women are uh, the leaders in this and more uh, evolved and communicative. Um, one thing men really get right is that we really don't have the idea that you have to be like us. In fact, we prefer it if you're not. Okay? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't need you to watch football with me on Sunday. Do not, do not, do not. Doesn't matter. Go do your own thing. Right. Women, in general, want him to come shopping with them on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. All right. And, I mean, that's just a, 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 a tiny meaningless example of what it looks like. But really, it's a form of, and it's a hard word to say, but it's a form of narcissism, thinking that your partner has to be the male version of you. It's you with a penis. Okay? Instead of thinking, who is the best fit for my life? If every time I've dated some impressive, charismatic captain of industry who works 60 hours a week and makes 500 grand a year, I've been heartbroken because he's a player, he's unavailable, he's too busy, he doesn't prioritize me, he's unwilling to commit. Maybe it's time to start, stop chasing that guy. 
right? even if that's what you're the most attracted to. And this is a challenge because I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the, the very basic concept that we accept in every aspect of our life besides dating and relationship, the idea that there are trade-offs. And the guy who is, is the most cute, charismatic guy might be the biggest flirt player, <laughs> you know, narcissist in the world that, that comes with him being a beautiful man. And the guy who is the self-made millionaire might be a stubborn, workaholic, bossy guy who puts work first and you second. Right? It comes with the territory. So until we're willing to assess these trade-offs, what can I live with? What have I been pounding my head against this wall over and over and over for years trying to break through the wall instead of saying, you know what, I'm just going to go around the wall <laughs> instead of trying to break through the wall. So how I'm sorry, help, I get on my soapbox. How, but. How, no, no, no. How do you help women really focus in on, on their core needs and values of, of what's going to make them happy? Because maybe they don't know. I had a client who, who uh, I spoke to earlier. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, actually the woman who called uh, based on uh, your interview with me for the Soulmate Summit. And um, she is um, a go-getter. Um, she just completed her master's degree. She's really passionate and she's got a lot of what we can term masculine energy. She's a doer. She gets stuff done. She has no trouble with asking out a guy. She has no trouble with making plans. She has no trouble making the first move. She's a guy. Got it? Oh, I can relate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't make her a bad person. It doesn't make her a man. I'm sure she's beautiful and feminine. Right? But she has the masculine trait of being a doer. Right? A better fit for her life would be a man who's a little more laid back, a little more easygoing, a little more beta male than alpha male. Now, if she remains attracted to alpha males, men who are more men than she is, that's fine. She said to me on the phone, I just want an equal relationship. That's her words. I want an equal relationship. I want it to be 50-50. The truth is most relationships aren't equal in that 50-50 way. We're really talking about different characteristics and different blends. It might be a healthy 60-40 or a 70-30 blend. Right? You bring more charisma. He brings more money, whatever it might be. So she's looking to sort of split the baby down the middle, and that's often not how relationships work. We're really looking for puzzle pieces that fit. And if she is saying, what are you doing tomorrow? I got a ticket to this concert. Right, I'll pick you up at nine. What is, what's his role now? Men don't even know what to do. Yeah, right? and that's I, just what got, the, I just got my November issue of the Atlantic magazine. I read the long, 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 long article about right. that. Super long article, right. And basically they're saying, do single women even need to get married anymore? But, you know, one thing I want to add to this is, is what I figured out for myself, because as you know and most of the people listening know, I was a first-time bride at 44. Mm -hmm. um, I figured out after having many bad relationships is I kept looking for that alpha male but I finally realized those guys wouldn't have what I needed most, which was somebody's time and energy and attention and affection. The captain yeah. of the universe time, they're thinking about themselves and they're the CEO of some company and they're mm -hmm. doing their thing. And what I needed really for, for my, my own heart was 
somebody that I could be the center of their world, the center of their universe, which was not an alpha male. And, and credit to you, Ariel, for, for giving your husband the proper respect. Instead of seeing him as weak or as a doormat, right? you're recognizing for what his strengths are instead of looking at that personality type as a weakness. Oh, and, and anybody who meets him knows, you know, he's, he's basically this very strong masculine guy but has, you know, the kind of heart where he's more interested in other people than himself. You know, he's that kind of energy. So it wasn't like, oh, I have to have somebody who makes more money than me. I was like, I need somebody who's going to love and adore me and be devoted to me, that's going to put the relationship first, and that has the maturity to have a conscious relationship. And to try and think of it in terms of 50-50 seems so funny to me. Because what are we measuring? Are we measuring dollars or, or who's going to the grocery store? or who's You know, it's like measurement seems like the wrong way to do it. It's like... You know, are we devoted to each other? Are we committed to having a relationship that works for us? And I have no idea how we would measure it by numbers. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you don't have to because good relationships, I think, are fundamentally easy. And if you have two people who are the leaders, the drivers, the decision makers, there's going to be more friction. There will be more attraction, but there will also be more friction. And at a certain point in your life, you've you got to say, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of the, the excitement and passion and for, you know what, I just want someone I can get along with. And I keep on going for people who are as headstrong as I am. Right? I had a client the other day, and I love, love, love this story. We worked together. She signed up for uh, eight to 12 weeks of coaching. She is a coach herself, helps uh, executives in business, um, you know, reach their higher purpose. And so we spoke a lot of the same language. Uh, she wanted to quit working with me after one session. Because we, we were the same. We were too confrontational, right? We had the same way of being. Okay. And I got, you know, I softened her up, we connected, we got over the hump and broke, broke through. And she was telling me about this guy who she's been with for six months, and he's this fundamentally nice guy, and she just, she's used to finding guys who are more challenging and dominating, and, right? and she's 62 and has never had a healthy relationship. And she was determined to, to break up with this guy and get started in online dating, and I wrote her profile. And in our course of our conversations, I got her to kind of look at her whole life and reframe everything. And it clicked in her head. The guy she was dating said, I need, you know what I'd really like to do? I would like to go to church with you because your spirituality is so important to you. And I don't get the sense I could really even understand how to connect with you unless I understand this aspect of your life. Wow, that is a great guy. Have you ever heard a man say anything like that ever? Never. <laughs> so it, it clicked in her head. Oh, my God, this is what it's about. I've got a guy who makes me feel understood, heard, and safe. This, I, I could live the rest of my life like this. I don't need him to be the breadwinner. I make my own bread. I don't need him to make decisions. I'm always making decisions. I need the guy who gets me, supports me, loves me unconditionally, and works hard to make my life better. 
Amen. And, that is it. And, and, and when, you, when you adopt that, men come out of nowhere. There's lots of men who would love to be that person for you, but you often don't give him a chance because it's not what you've been chasing your entire life. You've been chasing the resume instead of the character and the kindness. So when, when women are looking online and they're used to looking for, you know, the top ten list, what, what is it that you coach them to be looking for to say, be able to say yes to the first date? You know the uh, phrase, Ariel, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to botch it. I don't know that it's necessarily an aphorism or a cliche, but sort of like the sign of a higher intelligence is the ability to hold two contradictory head, ideas in your head at the same time. Isn't that, that what makes sense? is? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm, 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 I'm dancing around that. I don't know the right phraseology for it. But in, in dating and relationships in particular, I'm always asking my clients to be able to hold contradictory ideas in their head, right? Short-term pessimism and long-term optimism being a perfect example. So when it comes to online dating, you're, everybody's going to look at the same people, right, who are the most empirically attractive, the tallest, richest, cutest, youngest guys, are the ones who are going to get all the attention. So every woman could theoretically go online, do a search, and come up with the same 25 men on their favorites list. Right? But that gives those men a lot of power. Right? And it ignores the fact that those men, while they might look great on paper, are not necessarily great in real life. They might be great writers. Right? They might be really cute, but that, that might make them um, uh, more narcissistic or, or less likely to commit because they, they have a lot of choices in life and online. And so the most impressive candidates aren't always necessarily the best long-term partners. Right? Similarly, there are some amazing people, men and women alike, who are new to online dating, haven't bothered to educate themselves about the best way to do it, and go on there, sign up for a month, say, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, I'm nice, smart, kind, warm, funny. I like hiking, biking, movies, music, and travel. If you want to get to know me better, drop me a line, talk to you soon. All right. So they have no evidence of intelligence, creativity, personality. They just fill out a profile right, pretty quickly with no imagination. Right. And you're passing them up because they don't sound interesting. And so... That's, that's, the, that's the dichotomy. The people who seem amazing aren't always amazing, and the people who seem kind of generic aren't always generic. And it's your job to know this intellectually and give people a chance. And the anecdote I always use is, to throw myself on the sword, I wouldn't have met my own wife online. I would have looked at her profile, and she would have been older than me. I wouldn't have gone for that. She lived in a part of Los Angeles that I wouldn't want to drive to. She's Catholic, divorced. Right? She wouldn't, and she wouldn't be looking for me either. Right? And that's the flaw, not in online dating, but in how we use online dating. My wife and I were dating online at the same time in the same place. We didn't see each other. That is something that we could correct with vigilance and awareness. Force yourself to stay open to the unknown. Take people through the process of emailing them online, offline, to the phone, to the first date, screen people properly, keep seven to 10 people online at the same time and go on one or two dates a week right? with no set of expectations, just fun. And you know, you'll, know, be surprised, you'll be surprised at what emerges 
and you'll be surprised at who you end up attracted to, and you'll be surprised at who you end up marrying. Uh, I know this one couple, they've been together about 16 years now, and she was telling me that had they been into online dating at the time, they would have never chosen each other because she would have looked at his hobbies. He's a hardcore uh, bicycle rider, you know, and likes to race bikes. Uh, she said just based on that, she would have passed on him. Yeah, and that's the most common story in the world. So people aren't resumes, right? And and the the argument for an online for and against online dating, it's it's sort of that same dichotomy. I want to meet someone in real life. I want to see if there's chemistry. Great. So how much? How much? But, 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 but I just want to, let me just finish up that thought. You want to see if there's chemistry? Great. But if you don't meet people in real life, online dating is a big box filled with people. You'll see if there's chemistry when, when, you, when you meet them. But this is a, a repository for single people. I would tap that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Repository instead of relying on real life. So is it a flawed medium? Absolutely. But with conscious effort, you can really make, uh, you could have a great experience there. Talk to us a little bit about how to vet somebody. So you come across somebody, not the most exciting profile in the world, but Something inside you says, well, let me give them a chance. What are, what are the, what's the proper vetting procedure? In finding the one online, I call it uh, 222. Right, two emails on the dating site, two emails off the dating site, two phone calls, and then a first date. Uh, that's very loosely scripted. You can't always ensure that that happens. But the idea is that women, in general, want comfort. You don't want to go on a blind date with every stranger who says, hey, you look cute. So to screen a guy properly, you need to get to know him and ask him questions, right? Similarly, men don't care about comfort. They care about speed. Now, they care about speed because they get rejected so much more than you could possibly fathom as a woman. And a guy might write to 50 women and two will write back or something like that. So men, before you disappear, want to meet you. Hey, you're really attractive, Ariel. Love your profile. I'm not a good at this email thing. Let's see if there's chemistry. Here's my phone number. Call me. All right. And that's fear based on his failure. Now, you're not obliged to go out with the guy who's pushing you to go out with him. In fact, that's pretty uncomfortable. So I created the idea of the 222 rule as a sweet spot in the Venn diagram where women get what they want, comfort, and men get what they want, speed. And you could do two, two, two in the course of a, a week or so, right? So it's not belaboring the process. You're not investing a ton of time or energy, but you're not going on a blind date with a stranger either. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, it's, and I, of course, would have never thought of this. Uh, I got married long before online dating happened. Sure. So <laughs> it's new to me. So, so what kind of questions should I ask? Let's, let's assume I'm single and I've, on the first email I'm going to do the Evan Marquette's I, 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 I like your question. I'm going to preempt it. Okay. The more you script it, the worse it is. 
Right. I have loose templates in my Finding the One Online series about how to handle the guy who's too aggressive and how to you know, uh, write him a confident, funny first email. But the thing that you're talking about is exactly what I'm trying to rail against. You are uh, not no, uh, here. So there's not like the top five questions you want to ask everybody. Absolutely that. not. It is the antithesis of good dating. It is the antithesis of good dating. Good dating is not about interrogation. What Where do you see yourself dating? in five years? <laughs> you know, that, that's, if you want to turn a guy off, make sure you ask him some serious questions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you just a stupid, funny story real quickly. I, when I used to be on bad dates many years ago, and I wanted mm -hmm. it to end quickly, <laughs> this was my trick for getting out of a date. I would start talking about how interested I am about aliens from other planets and space. <laughs> I can see I how that there, would work. The date was over. <laughs> uh, I, was I, I mean, I want, I want to leave the realm of online dating, but I think it's a really wonderful tool to create a love life from scratch, no matter what age you are. Say more about that. The fastest growing demographic is people over the age of 50. Um, real life does not, we, we work in small offices, we, we telecommute from home, we are solopreneurs, we can't date at work because it's frowned upon at the company, you work with most people of the same gender. Um, there's a million reasons that real life doesn't lead us to dating. And so online dating opens up your world. It's, it's filled with single people who are looking for relationships. And if you've found people who just dated you and didn't call again or hooked up with you but didn't follow up for a relationship, it doesn't mean that person doesn't want to get married. It just means he doesn't want to marry you. Mm. you mentioned That's not always easy ago. to hear. But that, that line was written in When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. What's your definition of good dating? What's my definition of what? Good dating. Good dating? Good, yeah, you said it's not good dating, but so my, I'm turning it around. What is good dating? What is, you know, what makes a great date and the do's and don'ts? Oh, well, those might be two different questions. Good dating as a sort of worldview and ethos is putting yourself in the position to meet new people all the time and maximize each situation, uh, keeping dating active in the forefront of your mind instead of something that you step into accidentally that happens when you least expect it. So that's the ethos of good dating. How to be a great first date? Well, there's, we could go on for a whole hour about how to be a great first date. Well, let's, let's just go for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Am I talking to men or women or both? I, let's assume we're talking to women just for today. Okay. Um, it's easy to understand how men are good first dates because as a woman – You've been going out with men and complaining about them for years. So it's easy to see what guys do wrong. What you want a guy to do is not what he does because he hasn't read your rule book. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. So you want him to call you a week in advance to make plans and tell you what you should be wearing and when he's going to pick you up and come up with the agenda for the evening, not say, what do you want to do? You want a man with a plan. And he keeps in touch with you and he follows up with a phone call and he, he confirms the day before the date and he shows up on time and he valet parks the car and he chooses a place that's near your home and he 
uh, he's polite to the waiter or the maitre d', and he knows how to order a good glass of wine, and he asks you questions, and he listens to your answers, and he doesn't hijack the conversation, and he tells relevant stories and doesn't complain about dating or his ex or his work or Match.com. He, he doesn't want to get married to you in the first 15 seconds of meeting you, and he doesn't make you uncomfortable with ridiculous compliments, and he picks up the check at the end of the night and <laughs> maybe knows of another place to take you to for another round of drinks and, and uh, uh, picks up the check for that too, drives you home at midnight, walks you to your front door, gives you a big kiss goodnight, says, I had an amazing time. I can't wait to see you again. Calls you the next day to say, when can I see you again? How's that, that for a first pretty, date? That sounds pretty perfect. Exactly yeah. what we'd want. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a dating coach. I listen. This is this uh-huh. is what this is what women have told me. That's what you want. Yeah. That's not necessarily his ideal first date. That's your ideal first date. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. His ideal first date might be, hey, why don't you come over a bottle of, with a bottle of wine and we'll have sex. <laughs> <laughs> that could be his ideal first date. But he doesn't get to have that date. If he actually wants to impress you enough to have a second date, if he actually ever wants to sleep with you, he has to give you the kind of date that you want, right? Right. So to some degree, it doesn't matter what he wants on the first date. All that matters is what you want on the first date. A guy who gives you the kind of date that I just rattled off 30 things that a guy could do, mm-hmm. that guy's going to get a second date. And that guy's going to have a chance of getting some action with you one day which might be his agenda from the beginning. But he doesn't get to achieve his agenda until he gives you what you want. Is that clear? Very clear. Okay, so that's dating advice from men. But it's really easy to understand because we could think of a a thousand reasons how guys screw up on first dates, including some of the things that I just mentioned. Most guys don't do all those things I mentioned, right? Yes. So how does a woman be the great first date? <clears throat> well, first of all, it's understanding what you're... Excuse me, I've got some, some water went down the wrong pipe, so I'm, I'm choking here. <laughs> oh, don't choke, <laughs> So first of, all, first of all, you have to understand what your own agenda is, and you have to put your own agenda aside and focus on giving him the date that he wants. Right? If, if a man being a good date is dependent upon giving you the date that you want, it only makes sense that your job should be to give him the date that he wants. So what do men want, Ariel? Uh, they want to be listened to. They want to feel attracted. They want to feel some energy, have their okay. attention on them. <clears throat> Great. So here's how easy it is to be a, fir- a good first date. Whatever you're thinking you're doing on the first date, don't do that. If your agenda is to figure out uh, well, here, here's two common women agendas. Uh, he's really cute. He's really smart. I, I really want him to like me, right? And then you get a little kind of awkward or shy or nervous, and you're not your best self. So being worried about whether you're going to get a second date is always a waste of time, and it's always going to hurt you on the date. Right? So don't ever worry about whether you're going to get a second date or whether you're going to impress him, Okay. Number two, if you're not worried about impressing him, you're just worried about him. Where is this going? What's wrong with this guy? Does he respect women? Does he make a good living? Is he ready for commitment? Does he want kids? 
I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to get hurt. Let's figure this thing out. In the next 90 minutes, I'm going to figure out if this guy is my husband or not. And if he's not, I'm never going to see him again. It's a very common agenda. Right. You can see so you don't why. Want to go in, you don't want to go in with the mindset, is he the one on the first date? You go in with nothing. Nothing. You're not here to figure out anything. You're here to show him a good date, just like he did for you, right? That's what you want from a guy. You don't want him to assess whether you're his wife. You want a guy to show you a good time in the way that I described. So if you're going to be a good first date as a woman, put aside all those things that you're thinking you're trying to do to figure out the future on the first date and give him the date that he wants. Put away your iPhone. Look him in the eye. Touch him on the hand. Touch him on the knee. Ask him questions. Laugh at his jokes. Compliment him on his shirt or his shoes or his funny story or his business acumen. Thank him profusely for choosing this restaurant, planning the date, picking you up, picking up the check. And if you like him and you want to see him again, when he makes a move at the end of the night to kiss you, kiss him back. Ta-da, you're a great first date. That, that sounds like just general good manners. And yet, <laughs> and yet... <laughs> It's not that easy because you come in with your agenda instead of thinking, how can I make this guy's night great? How could I be the cool, fun, upbeat, easygoing woman that every guy who meets wants to see her again? Your job is to get the job. Don't worry about whether you're going to take the job or whether it's going to be your career. Make sure every guy who experiences you has a great time. If he has a great time, if he thinks you're fun and you're cute, you're getting a second date. Makes so much sense. It's very yeah. simplified. There, there aren't 40 things that you have to do the way there are for him, that whole script. Right. You just essentially have to make him feel smart, cute, funny, valued, important. Smart, cute, funny, valued, important. I've got to write those down. I'm, I'm making this up okay. as I go along. But it's, it's, it's a feeling that you evoke. And this is, I mean, this is the page one of why he disappeared. Men are not about looks. They're about feelings. How do we feel when we're around you? And if you interrogate us to figure out if we're husband-worthy, we don't feel good. <laughs> so what, what, is it, what is it that's really important to them besides how they feel around you? Is it a particular kind of value or character? I, had, I, I was out with a bunch of guys last Friday night. We did you know, barbecue on some guy's porch and drank some beer and played poker. It was just a guy's night. And because of what I do, I always get you know, sort of random questions. Um, and I, I wanted to sort of vet some of my theories. I mean, I've got a lot of theories. I write a lot about this and I think a lot about it. And pretty much ask guys, when, what are you looking for? You know, what are, what are the you know, three, four or five most important things to you? And it was almost invariable that he said she has to be fun, supportive, nurturing, easygoing, willing to try new things. Right? It, it, it's, 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 it's that demeanor. It's, it's just your openness to him, your acceptance of him, your support of him. It's how you relate to him that he values. 
And that could be, you know, again, that could be male narcissism, but it's, it's real. We ignore it at our own peril. He cares how you react to him because that dictates how he feels about you. If you look at him as his best, noblest self, he's going to be a better, nobler person. If you look at him as a guy who's, who's out to destroy you because men hurt women and men lie to women and men sleep with women and don't commit to them. If you look at him as his worst, he's not going to show up as his best. And all those other qualities that you have, which are valuable, your master's degree, your mortgage, your second language, your travel experience, don't mean crap to him. They're, they're the icing. They're not the cake. Mm. You know, one of the issues I hear about from so many women is, because like you, I deal with a lot of very successful women, is they have this thing in their head that they've got to be with a guy who makes as much or more money than them. Mm-hmm. And as we both read in this Atlantic article, <laughs> those guys are shrinking quickly. What do you have to and, say and, about Yeah, that? and moreover, she, uh, to, to her credit, that author brought up the inherent fallacy in that. Right. Not only that, if you make $200,000, there's going to be a smaller pool of men available to you and that those men might not necessarily want you in return. But there's the one thing that women have achieved through equality, and that's the freedom to do whatever you want. So would anybody ever suggest or have you ever heard a man suggest if he makes $300,000 that he's holding out for a woman who makes four? Have you ever heard that from a guy? Never. Why not? Yeah, maybe because in, in that domain they're a little smarter than these women are, you know? Because that's because we make our own money. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what you make if we make our own money. So women should be embracing this freedom instead of saying, "God, that only leaves me one percent of men to date." No, it leaves you everybody to date. You don't need his money. You could date whoever. You could date for looks or personality or love. You don't need to date for money because you have it. Right. You could just do it for the sheer fun of this is somebody I want to hang out with and have. And a good this time. is how men get married. We are allowed. To, we we can marry anybody because we're not looking at you because you're you're smarter, richer, or taller than us. So there's no restrictions. And women give themselves these self-imposed restrictions and then wonder why there's nobody. <laughs> yeah, part of that article was talking about how uh, short short men are finally uh, are marrying more now because there are so few taller guys. I don't remember what the stats were on it, but it, shorter guys are getting a better break these days. But not much of a better break, unfortunately. Um, it's it, it, in fact the hardest thing to be out there. It's harder to be a short guy than a heavy woman. Really? Yep. Yeah, I, I must have been uh, against the tide when I was dating because I always had a thing for short, unattractive men because I had this belief <laughs> that they tried harder. They were funnier. They were more attentive. <laughs> uh, and, 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 I, and I believe there's probably something to that. When people can coast by on their looks or their money, right? if I could buy you a ring to get you off my back, I don't actually have to communicate with you. And that's what a lot of rich men feel. They could buy their way out of problems. They're the boss. They could tell people to do things. And it's not really the best way to relate to a woman, not a good woman anyway. 
Yeah, it was pretty funny. And I ended up with a guy who's six two, and and tall wasn't even on my list. You know? right. And and so so maybe it's a bonus. It makes you more attracted. Maybe not. But everything that we impose as a deal breaker just means that there's no deals. If he has to be, you know, six feet tall because you're five foot nine, and if he has to make two hundred because you make one hundred. And he has to believe the same thing that you do about what happens to us after we die. And he has to like mountain biking because that's a huge part of your life. And you're, you're, you're leaving yourself with this, this tiny, tiny pool of, of people. And um, I think most people be, would be surprised if they realize that if they let go of some of these things and they learn to compromise right, and accept other people for who they are, even if they're not the same, you could very easily comprom- compromise your way into happiness. The mistake is people thinking that this means settling, and it's not. Talk That's what the whole Lori Gottlieb book was about. Right. Let's talk about more about selling. Yeah, your, your friend and former client, Lori Gottlieb, wrote that book. What was it called? Good Enough? Um, Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough, which was not the title that she chose. That was the publisher who chose that. Oh, okay. Well, talk to us about that syndrome, if you want to call it that, or, or Lori's story. The, the author is, uh, is a very, very impressive woman. I've known her for many years. She went to Stanford, and she went to Yale, and she's a contributor to NPR, and she's sold books and sitcoms and screenplays and had them optioned, and she's, she's Little Miss Smarty Pants, right? And she's really funny, really interesting to talk to. Um, and because she's so impressive, she was waiting for the man who was equally impressive, who was also appropriately cute, you know, tall, Jewish, whatever her, her criteria were. In fact, the first five pages of her book were the list that I had her make of what she was looking for in a man. She made a five-page long list of what she wants her man to be. So when she turned... 39, she said, I'm not waiting for the guy. I really want to be a mom. She had a kid, looked at her life with a three-year-old son as a single mother and said, you know what? This isn't the life I envisioned. I envisioned a family. I envisioned a man in this picture. And how did I get here? Where did I go wrong? What would I have done differently? And she ended up writing this book about how when she was in her early 30s, she was routinely passing up good guys because there was always something wrong with them, something she could have found better. So these guys on a one to 10 scale were an eight. And she'd say, you know what? I don't want an eight. I want a 10. I'm not going to settle. And as a 41-year-old single mom, she's finding that the eights are all happily married to other women. And the men she's left with are fives on a one to 10 scale. These are 55-year-old divorce guys who are hitting on her. These are 40-year-old commitment phobes and players. These are men with no social skills, which is why they're 40 and single. So she says, huh, maybe I should have chosen to go out with one of those eights and built myself a, a happy life instead of holding out for something that might not even exist. And this is a surprisingly controversial message. The idea that a woman should ever be told, you can't have everything. There are trade-offs in life. And I'm the biggest coach for women. I'm the biggest advocate for women. But you don't get everything. You don't have everything in your job. 
You don't have everything from your friends. You don't have everything from your family. There are things that you don't like that you accept. So we have to learn what things can we accept in our partners and what things should we not accept. And in my experience, Ariel, as a, as a dating coach, and in Lori's experience of writing this book, the biggest problem is that women are compromising on the wrong things. You can compromise on him being five foot eight versus five foot ten, or making seventy-five grand versus one hundred twenty-five grand. You can't compromise on kindness, character, consistency, desire to get ma- married, the ability to be a good father, spend money responsibly. <laughs> right? So women put up with guys who are great on paper but are terrible partners. They'll make those compromises but they won't compromise on, oh, he's got bad taste in clothes. <laughs> we can fix that. So fixable. You know? So, it's people are just really out of alignment with what could really make them happy. And if you insist you can't be happy with a, a man who, you know, isn't an animal activist because you're an animal activist, you're really restricting yourself to a very small pool of men. So we have just about three minutes left, and I really want you to take, take some of this time to talk about the services that you offer to single, successful women and how you can lead them to the love of their life. Um, well, thank you for, for that, and thank you, as always, for an, an interesting interview. I know I tend to stand up on my soapbox, <laughs> but um, I, I really passionately believe this stuff. I know that it works, uh, and... The women who work with me, you know, leave in 12 weeks more confident and empowered about their own future than they've ever been before and fit to find a relationship on their own without further coaching. And that's actually my business model. I do not retain clients. I want to get you out of here. I want you to find love on your own and hear back from you in a couple of years when you get engaged. So uh, I have offerings for, for women at every, of every age and at every economic price point. Uh, I've got Why He Disappeared, which is a downloadable ebook. Um, I've got uh, what I call my Focus Coaching Program, which is a monthly uh, lecture series Q&A about a specific dating and related topic. Um, there's access to a member's forum. You have access to my, my, uh, my e-books. Um, so it's, a, it's an inexpensive monthly coaching series. Uh, I have an intimate uh, small group coaching series called The Inner Circle, which is 12 women. Uh, we meet three times a month. We talk on the phone about your relationship issues. You have a partner in the group. We pair you up with other women for further support. You have access to all my products. Uh, so you get this, this uh, private dating coaching for a, a, a minimal price point. And then finally, for private clients who want to work one-on-one with me, I have four, eight, and 12-week coaching series in four weeks, we could teach you everything you need to know about online dating. In eight weeks, we could teach you everything you need to know about dating. And in 12 weeks, we could teach you everything you need to know to find a partner. Um, and when you find a good, compatible partner, you don't need dating coaching. There aren't constant questions. There isn't this perpetual friction. And when a woman comes to me with a boyfriend and wants to know how to make her boyfriend love her, right? There is no dating coaching for that. I only work with single women who want to create a new love life. If you have a relationship that's not working, your best bet is to find a better relationship. 
instead of trying to change yourself or change your man. And that is not something that most people want to hear, but it's, it's my, it's my experience. So all of this information is at your website, evanmarkcats.com, E-V-A-N-M-A-R-C-K-A-T-Z.com. Evan, thank you so much. It's been amazing talking to you like it always is. And um, for those of you who are going to join me next time, I just want to say thank you for listening. And if you want to check out my new website, it's wabisabilove.com. And Evan, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. It is always a pleasure, Ariel, and I thank you so much for having me back. I will follow you wherever you go. Oh, thank you. All right, everybody, you've been listening to Big Love with Arielle Ford and my guest today, Evan Mark Katz, dating coach to successful women. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Big Love with Arielle Ford. Join Arielle next time for more secrets to finding and keeping the love of your life and ways to live life as a spiritual adventure. For more information, you can visit her website at www.arielford.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.